Welcome to Educate to Elevate, the Home Educators Hub, the podcast dedicated to helping you unlock the full potential of home education. Welcome to Educate to Elevate. We're glad that you are back here today. I just realized, Carmen, that when this episode airs, it will be Sunday the 17th. It will be my birthday. So, (laughs) yes, getting close to that 58. So I'm excited. I love December because it's my birthday, my anniversary, and Christmas, and New Year's Eve all wrapped up in one. Uh, I don't think my husband has ever been really excited about having to figure out three gifts for me in one two-week period. Um, But I really love this time. Uh, I really love that God chose to be born in December because Mm -hmm. it's that end of something. It's the closing of the year. I take a lot of time to um, self-talk and reflect on what's going on in my life, what happened that year, what I learned. And so I'm excited to start that process this week of just sitting down with myself and trying to um, just ask God what's coming. I love December. I do too. I really do too. I wasn't born in December, but I was born in January. And um, I really love the winter time. And I wonder if it's just because maybe when, as babies, if we're around one years old, we start really being aware. And wow, what, especially in our family, we have so many beautiful memories of Christmas times spent together. And the way the Mexican people celebrate Christmas is there's so many beautiful, gorgeous traditions that add, as a child just had me in awe and wonder all the time. That's putting it in the context of the special times that our families created. You know, it yes. makes sense to me that as winter babies, we would, we would love this time so much. But, but I know that feeling that you're talking about. It's, it's nice to be at an age and at a time where you look forward, you're okay with transitions. Mm-hmm. You've been through enough transitions in your life that you know that however painful transition can be, it leads to something better. I used to tell uh, the teachers that I worked with that there's a reason that the most painful part of labor is called transition. Mm -hmm. Um, But it always leads to beautiful things. Yes. So I'm excited about that. And as you're talking, I'm reminded that we are going to record our Christmas episode on traditions um, this week. And so Yes, join us for that because that's going to be fun. It's mm-hmm. I love talking about Christmas and traditions and what do, that does for a family. So just a little uh, heads up on what's coming up in the podcast. But today we have a very interesting topic. I was thinking about 
an experience I had when I was eight years old as we were brainstorming about talking about what the true needs of children are and how important it is that those needs are fulfilled before we can even expect them to be or their brains to be prepared for deep, enduring learning. And I, it just took me back to when I was eight years old, my mother uh, decided to send me to a camp for a full week. And this camp was called Christian Youth in Action. And it was learning how to tell the story of Jesus in different ways, and especially using material called the wordless book. So there wasn't any any words, <laughs> hence the name, uh, in the book. It was just illustrations, and they would teach us kids how to tell the story and how to tell it to other children. And so there was a full week of this training. I don't remember all of the training and what went into it. But I remember the wordless book. Let me tell you, I think I said it like 50 times up when I got back from that camp. Um, my mom decided to open up a new activity in our church that would allow me and the other kids that went to that camp to put into practice what we had learned. And it was um, sort of like a, like a boys and girls club. You know, it was called the Sowers Club, and kids would come on Thursdays, all ages, and we were the teachers. And we would do all of these activities around this wordless book that had different colors and activities, and it was just fun. And then after every session, my mom would hold us back, and she would ask us to um, stand in a table and retell the story to her. And then she would coach us and tell us, you're using this word too much. You don't do it this way or try to inflex your, your voice this way or use your, your hand gestures better. And she would just coach us for a while so that we could be better the next time. And so when I think about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is what we use to identify what needs are. It has just transcended time. <laughs> and uh, it's still a very important piece of work. And when you see the pyramid, the very top is self-actualization, right? It's mm -hmm. when you reach the ability to be creative and you've accepted yourself and there's meaning and inner potential and experiences and purpose around your life. And I was thinking about that experience because I was eight years old. And for that age, I was completely self-actualized, right? I was in my element. I discovered I had a gift for teaching. Um, as my mother allowed me to have these experiences, not only allowed me, but put me in situations where I would be able to use these gifts that she was seeing in me. And so being able to say that you've reached the pinnacle, right, of the, that pyramid at the age of eight is pretty amazing. It's really gotten me to think that there's no reason why every child 
cannot live the self-actualization for their particular age at any time of their life. Because obviously at age, self-actualization isn't about having a job in the corporate world. It's about using your gifts. It's about discovering who you are. It's about learning to be excited about what you're bringing to the table in your family and being able to be yourself. And I really enjoy just spending time with that memory and realizing that it set me up for other spaces in my life and times in my life where I was able to achieve this self-actualization in the age of maturity that I was in, but that I was able to start so young and so encouraging to parents today, right? I absolutely agree. Um, as I've been reviewing Maslow's pyramid that shows in the education world, school psychology, child psychology, it's referred to as Maslow's hierarchy of basic needs. And as I've been reviewing it, that's exactly what I've been thinking is that the term hierarchy is a little bit troublesome. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit troublesome that it's in a pyramid because it gives the impression that you start at the bottom and you progress to the top, but that's not really what it's about, right? It's just mm-hmm. a very clear infographic to show that if, if these very basic needs aren't met, you're not going to get to the point where true growth and learning and self-actualization can happen for a person of any age. Mm -hmm. We um, we're starting this transition to our wheelhouse of pedagogy and methodology and curriculum with Maslow's pyramid because it's it's the basic starting ground where we would start with if we were teaching a class for teachers, right? But um, even in reviewing it and reflecting, you're right. It still transcends. It still absolutely 100% applies. And it applies to human beings of all ages. So it's important for parents to know about this. It's important for teachers to keep reviewing and remind yourself all the time, even if you're even if you have to remind yourself for yourself. Like, mm-hmm. wait a second, am I really able to engage in self-actualization and transcendent work if I'm not taking care of my other most basic needs? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's an empowering tool to that you need to really feel comfortable with because it will help you make the best decisions for um, your child. Yes. The pyramid starts with the physiological needs. And I like what you're saying because it, I like circles more than I like pyramids Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I just feel that they represent when something is truly linked to another. So like you said, a pyramid seems to be like a ladder 
Mm-hmm. Whereas I really see like yourself that these needs all work together, one with the other, and that when you are working with one, you're necessarily touching other areas. I'm thinking right now of the physiological needs, food, water, shelter, clothing, those kinds of things, but safe place to sleep. But um, I have a granddaughter who is six years old right now who has food allergies and they manifested when she was six months old. And I remember how horrific the experience was for her parents that were seeing their little tiny baby dehydrated with horrible vomiting and diarrhea, and they didn't know what was going on, right? They were brand new parents. And finally, they were able to get a diagnosis that it was actually food allergies that were causing these reactions in her body. And I've had the great privilege to see my children, her parents, interact with her in teaching her about how to be responsible for her situation because she's going to be allergic to these foods probably for the rest of her life. And at a very, very young age, they started talking to her. So eating is a basic, basic need. But when you elevate it to the point of teaching responsibility around that eating (laughs) and how you're going to interact with foods and how you're going to make those choices when you're two or three years old, right? Although it's the responsibility of the parent to feed the child at that age, the child is starting to interact with other children, starting to visit the cousins, starting to go to other homes. And she might put something in her mouth she's not supposed to, right? And so teaching her to take responsibility of what she was supposed to eat. And I remember when we would go to restaurants and she was tiny, she was three years old. And immediately she she would let the waiter know, I can't eat these foods. And my mom brought me my food and, and my daughter always carries the lunchbox. And, but she would let everybody know, it's not weird that I have a lunchbox coming to the restaurant because I'm allergic and here's my safe food that I can eat. And so she would communicate to people. And so I'm thinking how that ties into safety and security and it ties into self-esteem because what about all the emotions that go around the fact that I can't eat what everybody yes. else eats and I'm the one out of the normal thing that's going on at the table, right? I'm the one that has the special food. I'm the one. And it doesn't always make you feel special. You know, like it's not always that great when your friend can eat the cupcake and you can't, right? And so all of this experience that I've seen uh, my daughter and my son-in-law work into who Karen is today and how she deals with her food allergies, but also how she takes responsibility for them and that she feels very sure of herself today because her parents had made, have made sure that she um, understands the circumstances around the, that difference in her, in who she is. 
And the other day she was visiting and um, I said, Karen, I really would like you to sit down and make a list for Ima of all of your safe foods because I want to make sure that I have all of your safe foods in my pantry so that when you come, you don't have to bring a lunchbox. You know that Ima has everything that you can eat in her house. And her response was, well, my mom can do that for you. And my response was, oh, no, no, no. You know what your safe foods are. You mm -hmm. write down the list for me mm -hmm. so that I can be a part of this journey with you. But we're going to do this together, right? And that ties into what I love is that love and belonging is at the very center of the pyramid. It's the heart of yes. the pyramid. And so all of this experience with, with this allergy thing really took care of the whole pyramid in my granddaughter's life because her parents were intentional and they made sure that they created that. I don't know if they knew that they were doing that. Probably not, but they did. They created the full pyramid for her so that today she could feel self-actualized in the circumstance that she has to live with and be responsible for. And so I, I really wanted to share that with our listeners because it'll be different for each family and for each child. But as a parent, you can decide that even if it's the most basic thing like food, you can create the conversations and the interactions that are necessary to build safety and security, to build love and belonging, to build the self-esteem that takes care of all the emotional things around it. And of course, for that specific age, reach self-actualization because that has to do with being creative with your foods, being able to accept yourself and, and the reality and gives purpose to your life. You don't lose purpose because you can't eat <laughs> eggs, right? Mm -hmm. You're just mm -hmm. as beautiful and important whether you eat eggs or not. And mm -hmm. so this is uh, something that I think every parent can bring to the table when it comes to preparing their children for learning. Absolutely. And ideally, all of these things are feeding into each other seamlessly right? And we're addressing, it, it, it just makes sense to address the very basic needs, which are the first layer of the pyramid, which are food, water, shelter, warmth, like you said, our, our physical needs to take care of our body. And then the second layer is security, safety, which has to do with feeling safe. Because you can have your basic physical needs taken care of, but not feel safe. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle, like you said, is love and belonging. And then self-esteem. And then the pinnacle self-actualization, which, which really, oof, there's so many nuances to that that can be teased out. And I've seen sort of a modern version of the pyramid that adds above that transcendence, which means having meaning and purpose, and they've teased out we have a need for aesthetics, and we have a need for cognitive development, which is all true. Mm -hmm. But um, the basic, basic pyramid, it, it, 
encompasses all of that. Um, and where it has anchored me as a teacher and a parent and why it's so important to know about it is when you're having a glitch in an interaction with the student or with your child, it's good to go back there because these things are so common sense to us and they flow into each other. Sometimes we just get lost and lose track of them, right? Like I can't have my child sit down to, or students sit down to start on their essay and something's not happening. I need to go back to that pyramid and I start at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Did you have breakfast today? Do you need to go potty? Or even yeah. for myself, like, why can't mm -hmm. I focus on this? Why can't I focus on this task right now? What do I need? Let me start at the bottom, especially for I've, I've had to learn a lot about ADHD and um, autism. My adult son was diagnosed very late in life. And so I'm learning a lot right now. And one of the characteristics is that you have trouble being aware of your very most basic needs. And so you like, you're not as aware that you're thirsty or that you forget you haven't eaten for seven hours. So that's why it's just, it, it's a very handy tool to know about. It's stood the test of time. It makes sense. Here at Home Educator Institute, we are here to empower teachers, teacher mamas, caregivers, parents who want to do the best possible job they can of rearing a child to become a self-actualized, confident, you know, autonomous yet able to socially connect, all those wonderful things like you at eight years old and Karen at six years old feeling agency and empowerment to say, I can teach or I can advocate for myself and say, these are the foods that I need, right? So that's why we're talking about this tool. It is powerful. It has withstood the test of time and it's a good anchor. So that when there's glitches happening, you can refer back to it and think, where, where is it that we need to work? Yes. And it's for everybody. It's for the parent, it's for the teacher, and it's for the child. And it comes back full circle mm -hmm. when we learn how to live within that cycle. We give and then we receive and we give and we receive. And sometimes as parents, and I want to say as teachers too, we feel very frustrated at, you know, we feel like this is too hard. What is going on? I can't control the situation because sometimes children can't be controlled. Um, and there's so many nuances now right? With parenting and teaching, the teaching profession. Mm -hmm. And it's very stressful, very stressful for many reasons. And so paying attention to those needs is so important. And just being open to pause and say, I need to be able to take care of this situation. And especially, 
as a teacher where many children are coming to your classroom that are not having their basic needs met at home and that you're having to, as the teacher and caretaker for six hours a day, having to fulfill a lot of those responsibilities that used to be fall on parents are now falling on you. And that Learning how to create synergy between the teachers and the parents is so important so that we can identify those needs that are not being met in children and we can prepare children for learning. But we have this expectation that kids are just going to show up at 8 a.m., sit at their desk and be ready for dictation, right? Without really spending some time and saying it's worth pausing in the day to figure out how we are today. And be flexible enough to deal with certain situations. Now, obviously, if you have 25 kids, you're not going to deal with every single detail for everybody. But generally, you can say today, maybe we need to start by dancing or by singing or I don't know, something that changes our mindset and prepares us for learning. And that's so important at home as well. When children arrive from school, sometimes we're like, okay, you got home, change and do your homework. We're like, but you just came from six hours of sitting down and doing homework. Let's figure out a different way to meet the the next hours after school, what we're going to do. What are we going to have prepared um, at home to maybe do something different, reset our minds and get some of those physiological needs met, but also those loves. I'm so grateful to God that you're back home and that we have the opportunity to do these other things. And I think that's why there's been such a huge transition when it comes to homework and in new methodologies of teaching. Like, wait a minute, that's like, that's like you taking work home after work, right? <laughs> so. Why does that make sense for a child and not for an adult? We we don't want to take work home. We want to leave work in the office, right? Yeah. Well, they want to leave schoolwork in the office uh, where it belongs. And so with, there's been a lot of transitions and a lot of research around uh, homework. But also in those deep emotional needs of the children. And um, very recently, I received a message in through social media from one of my students that I had almost 25 years ago. And she came to us as a little five-year-old and she had a small deformity in her lip. It wasn't anything that was hugely noticeable, but for her, it was very noticeable. And she had a hard time fitting in the school environment and she would cry. She would bawl. All, she, from the very moment she stepped into school, she would start, start crying. And so it just came a moment where the teachers would just bring her to my office because she, it would just interrupt the flow of the day in the classroom. And um, as a principal, I always wanted to make sure that my office was the place where people could feel safety and security. It wasn't the go to the office for the principal to get scolded place. It was a, a I was very intentional of making sure that people knew that they could come to my office at any moment. And so they would bring her to my office and she was crying very hard, crying, like 
mucus, yucky crying, you know? And so I would sit her on my lap and I would hold her to me and I would sing her a song. Uh, it was actually a hymn that my grandmother would sing to me when I was distressed. And it was a hymn about peace. And I would sing her that song until she calmed down and we were able to walk back to her classroom. And this went on for a whole school year. It wasn't one day. It was 210 days <laughs> of this until she finally got used to coming to school. But the beautiful thing about this story is that she wrote to me and said, Ms. Rita, I just want you to know that I remember sitting on your lap and feeling safety and security and love and belonging because I had no self-esteem. And I remember that you used to sing to me. I can't remember the music, but I remember it was something about peace. And I just wanted to write to you and thank you because that experience is helping me deal with a whole other bunch of stuff that I've had to deal with as a ramification of that lack of self-esteem and self-acceptance. And I wanted to share the story around the pyramid, Carmen, because I'm going through transitions. I'm going through situations where I'm changing. My life is changing. And part of that change is letting go of what I used to have in the past as a principal of a school, as a leader in a school system. And letting go, retiring from that and letting go of that is hard for somebody that has a passion for children and a passion for teaching and kind of letting go of all of those experiences and the self-actualization that I felt as a school principal and as a leader. Um, and receiving that note from that student from 30 years ago, she's 30 years old now, uh, from 25 years ago, and getting the, that thanks is really helping me today in feeling love and safety, and care, and raising my self-esteem at a time where I could really get bogged down and say, I'm not worth anything anymore. My life has no purpose. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I received from her what she got from me 25 years ago. And that's the beauty of the human experience. And it all fits into those needs. Because if you sow, you know, into somebody's life, into your child's life, there'll come a time when they'll, they'll call you and say, I, I need help with this, <laughs> mom. Can, can we figure this out together? Because it's a give and take, give and take through all of the cycles of life. And it's so beautiful. So, so beautiful. And I'm very thankful that she took the time to thank me in a time where I needed to hear that, those words to, to lift me up. And that was beautiful. It is. I'm just thinking about how so many times as parents and teachers, we can just get caught up in, in this script, sort of a trajectory about how things are supposed to go. 
My youngest son very recently got a report card. He's on the trimester system. And I'm just thinking back. Youngest son came to us through adoption when he was eight years old. And he had suffered such horrendous traumas that we were really working in the first two levels of the pyramid for so, such a long time, right? And, and we, we still do need work there. He has issues around food. Um, he's neurodivergent and he also takes medication for ADHD. You have to help him so much with just those basic needs. And, but for, for the first three years that he lived with us, we had to really let go of and advocate for him because the teachers would say, well, he's so far below grade level. Well, he's not learning. All these deficits that are way up here and being able to cognitively process. And we'd have to take them way back and say, look, we're, we're down here. This is where he's working. We're still trying to meet his basic needs and create a sense of safety and, and love and belonging. And if that's all you do with him this year is help us with that, that's going to be enough for us. Yeah. We don't know how his trajectory is going to go, but we know these are the most important things right now. And whether he's reading 75 words per minute doesn't matter right now. And um, one of the things he struggled with the most was reading and writing. And now all these years later, he feels so confident in English language arts as a junior in high school. And he sees himself as a capable reader and he sees himself as a very capable writer. And those things are falling into place because... We understood the hierarchy, um, that love and belonging, that sense of safety. You just can't get anywhere else. You you can't move beyond that without those things. Yeah. Um, and and I really love how you opened the conversation talking about cycles and seasons. You're you're in your birthday season. We're about to start a new year. And we're sort of ending this conversation with the story of how you you sow seeds into the life of somebody and they in return come back and sow seeds into your life. And I think there's so many opportunities for that all around us. Um, and I feel like there's just a common theme that's also working in a cycle in all of our conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, even we're moving on to something that's very teachery um, and education-y, which is Maslow's Pyramid. But we're right back to talking again about slowing down mm-hmm. and being mindful and um, being willing to see and connect with someone. Yes. 
Well, I'm excited because that just opens the door to so many more things that are coming at Home Educator Institute. We're closing the conversation today, but we're not ending the conversation. We're continuing next week with our Christmas episode. Also, everything that's going on in our Facebook group. I love our Facebook group. <laughs> oh, good. I'm plugging away, yes. plugging away faithfully, little by little, sowing seeds. Yes. Um, just inviting anyone who's participating and educate to elevate the Facebook group. Um, come on in, join the conversation, post something that interests you. Right now, I'm trying to introduce members and um, there's so many connections between the members and, and I get to see everybody, right? So I'm like, oh my gosh, these people would be best friends. Yes. Um, I'm, I, I'm hoping it would just be great for us to be able to meet someday. And I know over time um, that it, it already is a great community. There's so many beautiful uh, leaders, mamas, teachers in that group, so much wisdom, so much um, love and knowledge to share. So yeah, I'm excited about what's yeah, happening. So join the group if you haven't joined yet. And if this is the first time that you're hearing the podcast, we invite you to go back and listen to the previous episodes because it's just going to be very enriching for your life. And also excited about starting a new year with new ventures and new ideas. Uh, our course creation is coming along well, and we're, we already have ideas of other mini courses that we want to bring to you so that you can go deeper into learning how to apply these things to your life and the life of your family. And so thank you for joining me on my birthday. I appreciate that very much. That's awesome. Happy birthday. See you next Thank time, you. everybody. Thanks for joining the conversation. Please comment, like, and share if you're as passionate as us when it comes to elevating and educating children and youth. Want to reach us? Connect on social at Home Educator Institute.